want to turn in God's Word to Matthew chapter 21. As we continue through some parables that Jesus taught during His last days, get an understanding in this parable of um, what Jesus wants to say and, and do for us. Um, hopefully these words and the title of my sermon will get you thinking a little bit. Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 46. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. And then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. And the tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned the third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. And last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. And when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give them his share of the crop at harvest time. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scripture the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will, be, who will produce its fruit. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priest and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them, and they looked for a way to arrest him. But they were afraid of the crowd, because the people held that he was a prophet. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are our God, and one who guides us and instructs us and shows us the way to live. But above all, points us to you. That you came to seek and to save the lost, of which all of us can hang our hat on. And your salvation is there for us. You have given it to us. May we be faithful in the way that we walk and carry that forward. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you didn't catch the connection, um, am I looking to arrest Jesus in the whole handcuff deal? And you're saying, what in the world, Pastor Ralph, are you talking about? Uh, jump to verse 46. It was the last verse that we talked about. Uh, where the, They got to the point where the chief priests, the Pharisees, that's who we're talking about, they looked for a way to arrest him. They looked for a way to arrest him. And you say, well, oh, that's good for them. They were the bad guys. They were the wretches. Uh, they were the ones who messed up in this. And and now I have to stop and say, yeah, but can I find myself in this same parable? Can I find myself in this same situation? And am I looking to arrest Jesus? Um, I don't know if, you know, I know I should say, I do know. I know not everybody here does uh, social media apps. 
Um, anybody that's listening on Facebook today, uh, you probably do social media apps. So right now, if you don't want to listen to me and you're on Facebook, there's an easy way to do that. Uh, this pocket, right? I'm listening on Facebook, and the easy way to do it is I'm not listening to you anymore. That's really easy to do. And if you have a friend on Facebook that annoys you and it just grates you and just you don't like to, I, I just can't, I can't handle stuff from them anymore. It's just, I won't unfriend them. I'll just stop following them. And then you don't have to listen to them anymore. Anything they say, anything you put on there, any picture you put on there, eh, doesn't show up on my phone. I don't have to listen to you. Right? You know, you may be speaking, you know, but hey, the hand's listening, my ears aren't. I, I just, I don't have to hear anymore. And that, even with caller ID, this is how it happens today. Uh, I don't know how many junk phone calls you get. I get a lot of them every day. And I'm sitting there, and the phone rings, and the watch rings too. And, and I go and look, and I say, nope, don't want to talk to them. And the phone rings 25 minutes later, and nope, don't want to talk to them. And it's so quickly in today's society, we turn off, turn off, turn off any voice we don't want to hear. And basically, we arrest, lock up, throw away the key, and get rid of any voice we don't hear. And part of that is, we turn it around and we do it to Jesus. Oh, no, Ralph, we don't do that to Jesus. And I want to say, yeah, we do it to Jesus. We do it all the time. There's an old song that says, Stand Up for Stand Up for Jesus. Um, I don't know if you know that song, Stand Up for Stand Up for Jesus. I'm going to give you one of the stanzas of that song. It's the last verse. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. This day, the noise of battle, the next, the victor's song. To those who vanquish evil, a crown of life shall be. They with the King of glory shall reign eternally. See, I want to cut to the chase in my spiritual life, and I want to reign eternally with, with God in heaven. But I don't necessarily want to vanquish evil in my own life, let alone the lives of people around me. Let's face the reality. Sometimes sin is fun. Sit down with a friend, start gossiping about somebody else. Sin is fun. Um, if it wasn't fun, nobody would be doing it. But every time we want to blatantly walk down the path of sin and do it over and over and over and have no remorse have no thought in our hearts to turn away from God, have no desire in our hearts to turn away from God, we put the handcuffs on Jesus and we send him away. God, stop talking to me about that. I don't care. You saved me. I'm on my way to heaven. What does it matter? Men, and if I could say women in today's day, it's a whole lot easier to quit church and stop and and continue watching pornography than it is to stop watching pornography which is easier stop going to church don't have to listen to the pastor say that anymore it's a whole lot easier men a whole lot easier to close the bible than to keep reading the bible on how i should raise my family and how i should love my wife and serve my wife it's a lot easier just to close the bible Get rid of God's voice. Women, it's a whole lot easier to say, this is my body and I'll do with it what I choose than to say I'll be obedient to the word of God and hold all life. All life. As given by God. You see the ways in, in our lives and in today's world we 
arrest the words of Jesus. We want to shut it down. We want to close it. But I only want to do it on the things that bother me. And, and that's where the catch comes. We want to handcuff God. See, we don't want to hear about Galatians 5. I love reading these verses because it puts me back in the right straight. And so I read them because it touches me. Galatians chapter 5, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And when we find immorality more favorable in our lives, and we put up with immorality around us and in our lives, we are taking the righteousness of God and we're throwing it out and we're putting the handcuffs on Jesus because we don't want to hear from him. And I don't like Galatians 5 sometimes because, let's face the reality, some of those things can be fun. Then we have to stop and we have to think what God wants in our lives. Now, when we take our own religion and we say, well, I like the love of Jesus part, and let me, let me deal with some of that, and I like the uh, love your neighbor stuff, I can handle that, I don't fight with my neighbor, but when it comes to oh, the sexual immorality, no, let's cut that piece out. I don't want to hear that voice. I can't have it that way. And I can't pit one thing in religion against another thing in religion because when I do so, I am arresting Jesus and I'm silencing what he wants to say in our lives and in our church. Whenever we're ready to take religion and make it into our own way, let's get rid of the hard stuff. Let's just deal with the easy stuff. Let's deal with the little things. That's not what Jesus came to teach. It's not what he came to exemplify. It's not what he he came to do. And he came to condemn sin. And so we need to continue to keep our lives pointing towards him. Hebrews chapter 12, and I shared this before when I was praying. Hebrews chapter 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let us throw off everything that entangles, all of the sin that entangles. No, God, I like this sin, and I'm going to keep on doing it. And we put the handcuffs right back on Jesus, and we say, get out of my life. I don't want to hear about you. And when we do it, do you understand what we're doing? We're not just getting rid of the voice of Jesus in the little things. We're getting rid of the voice of Jesus in everything. And it's a dangerous place for us to go. Every time when we're led away by our own desires and go down the path of unfaithfulness, we don't want Jesus as our walking partner. Do we want Jesus to walk along beside us? When we're walking into sin? I don't think we do. Do I want Jesus sitting on my lap? When I'm saying things that I shouldn't say? No, I don't. And so I arrest Jesus and say, get out of my head. I don't want to listen to you. I want to do this. And again, we arrest Jesus. Sometimes we, I think we take the attitude of, we want Jesus. I had to pick a front pew that was empty over here. Jesus, sit in the front pew and I'll deal with you on Sunday morning. 
but stay out of my business Monday to Saturday. And that's not Jesus. We don't leave Jesus in the front pew at the church. We don't leave Jesus at the altar. We want him to go with us through every day of our lives. And I can't arrest him and lock him to the altar and say, I'll come visit you next Sunday. Because next Sunday he might not be here. He's a part of our life Monday through Saturday as well. I share all this because in this story we have today, this parable in the vineyard, inside God's kingdom, we are more and more becoming like the farmers. That's the danger. We are more and more becoming like the farmers in our parable. And that's not where God wants us to be. God's given us His kingdom where we can live for Him, where we can live our lives for Him. Sometimes we treasure what God has given to us. I'm going to start looking at the beginning of the parable and just by the first couple of verses of that parable and see all of the things that God has done. And we like what God has given to us. I like His providence in my life. I like the health that He has given to me. I like that He is there when I have a need and I can call on Him. But we become like the farmers. God, stay away until I need you. Hey God, we're running out of food for the farm. We don't, we don't have enough fertilizer for the vineyard. Could you bring some, please? And God drops off a skid load of fertilizer for us. Okay God, you can leave now. We got this under control. We have to understand that God wants to be in our business. And we don't want to become like the farmers. I'm going to blaze through three little simple points for us to understand what this perspective is. One of them is that we need to understand the ownership of the vineyard. I don't own this church. You don't own this church. If we want to talk about it from a legal perspective, the Allegheny Conference of the Brethren in Christ owns this property. We may have bought it, paid for it, built it, fix it, repair it. But from a legal perspective, the Allegheny Conference even owns it. We don't. But beyond that, God owns it. In our parable today, the owner, the landlord, the landowner of the vineyard is God. If you look at that verse, right at the beginning of verse 33, he planted it. He's the one who dug a wine press in it. He's the one that built a watchtower. He's even the one that rented it. God is the one that is in control. The vineyard, I know in a lot of our other parables, I talked about the vineyard being the church. God, Jesus expands this even further in this parable, where the vineyard, you could probably stretch this and go all the way back to Abraham. If you really wanted to stretch it, go all the way back to the beginning of creation. But even from the point of Abraham, God called Abraham forth, and then from Moses, and gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and asked the Israelites to live out those, those commandments. The landowner has always been God. And he's put people in his vineyard to work it and to take care of it. But then we get to the realization that they tore it apart. Deuteronomy 10.14 says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. And if we really want to peel this back, Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God. I don't even have to finish the verse. In the beginning, God. The owner of the vineyard, and we have to understand that because 
Even in our own lives, we have to understand God is the owner. We are only a steward. We are only a renter. And God is the one who is in control of all things. And when we can understand that God is the owner, then we're able to move forward. Uh, and hopefully you have that understanding right from the beginning of the parable that Jesus is talking about God putting the entire religious system that has been in place from from the Jewish people all the way through to Christianity that God has put this system in place for us to be able to worship Him and to glorify Him. And He is the owner and He is the one who takes care of it. He digs a, a, He puts a wall around it. Who protects us? God. He puts a watchtower in it because He's the one that watches over us. He's the one who planted the vineyard. He is the one who called us forth to be part of God's family. And we have this owner that is there. So we understand the ownership, and I want to jump into the unsettled occupancy because this is where everything falls apart. Everything goes afoul. And the tenants are running the show, and at some point, they see that their way is better than the way of God. They didn't own it. They didn't build it. They didn't plant it. They don't protect it. They just had to be there and take care of it and be a good steward and enjoy everything that the land landowner had given to them. But I'm, I want it my way. Jesus basically recaps the Old Testament. The prophets came to the Israelite leaders, to the Jewish leaders. The, the prophets came and they didn't listen to them. They closed their ears and would not listen to the prophets. Some of the prophets they stoned and they killed. They didn't want to hear from them. They, they threw them into a pit. They threw them into a cistern. Anything they could to silence the, the word of God coming to them. As God continued to draw them closer, they continued to push him away and go further away. And it's the danger we live in today in our own lives. We need to keep God close and keep drawing ourselves closer to God and reaching out to God and stop pushing them away with our own sinfulness. Verse 37 through 39, the landowner sends his own son. Last of all, he sent his son to them and they will respect my son. So again, Jesus comes and what is their decision? The, the renters of the vineyard say, well, let's take them out behind the barn and we'll stone them to death. If we can get rid of the sun, we could have this all for ourselves. And what's interesting in the parable, and I don't want you to miss this point, they knew who the sun was. Do you understand in the parable? When the sun showed up, they didn't say, oh, here's another servant. They knew who the sun was. And they said, this is the heir. If we get rid of him, it will all be ours. Now I want you to hold on to that because sometimes we tend to think that the chief priests and the Pharisees, that they didn't know who Jesus was. They knew. They completely knew who Jesus was. And they still wanted to get rid of him. And we know who Jesus is. Yet we still want to get rid of him. I want to have my cake and I want to eat it too. I want my salvation, but I want to live it my way. And we have to be careful with that. And this is where everything falls apart with this unsettled occupancy. They, they decide that if I can take him out behind the barn and stone him, this will all be mine. I can run the show. I can be in charge. I can set the rules. Everything will be under my control. And we don't have to listen to God anymore trying to make a mess of the good things that we have done. 
and they forgot that he is the owner and he is the one that brought those good things to them. No more rules, no holds bar, any way that they wanted to have it. I was reading this morning in my reading, I'll flip my page back to my bookmarker here. I came across this verse when I was reading this morning, and I'll see if I can find it real quick. Yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 8. You are not to do as we do here today, everyone as he sees fit. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy 12, verse 8, you are not to do as we do here today, everyone as he sees fit. That's where we're at. That's where we want to be at. I want to do as I see fit. And God says, no, Ralph, you've got to do as I see fit. And he speaks to each and every one of our lives and says, do as I see fit, not as you see fit. To know the truth and the truth will set you free. And if you don't hear the truth, you can't be set free. So I'm in the vineyard with only what I want to do. I can do it my way. We know the ownership. We know the occupancy. But it moves over to this unintentional obliteration. This is where the chief priest and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they stuck their foot in their mouth. Verse 41, he will bring, a wretch, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end. Huh? Stick your foot in your mouth. That's when you go to your, your little, little kid. and I think we have this also in the story of, um, of David after he had committed sin with Bathsheba and he was approached by the prophet and he was told about a, a man who had a lot of lambs and he went and took a lamb from somebody else just so he could have it for himself. And, and King David said, oh, that man should die. And he was told, yeah, but that's you. Oops. Stick your foot in your mouth. It's when the parent goes to a child. So what should we do with someone who steals cookie out of the cookie jar? Oh, they should be put on time out. Well, guess where you're going? Going to time out. I don't want to be a wretch. I don't see myself as a wretch. I don't think you see yourself as a wretch. You're a child of God. One that Jesus gave his life on the cross to die for your sins, to set you free from sin. And yet when we choose, it, choose to do it our way, and when we start picking and choosing through our Christianity in the journey that we're on and say, I want to go here, and God wants me to go over here, and we say, over here is immorality, and it's okay because God loves us. And over here, God is saying, no, immorality is wrong, and I love you very much, and that's why I'm telling you immorality is wrong. It will bring mental problems to you. It will bring psycho psychological problems to you. It will bring physical problems to you and you say yeah but I love immorality and God's over here and say do you understand immorality will destroy your marriage and you're saying yeah but I love immorality and stop talking to me God I don't want to hear you put the handcuffs on get over there by the altar stay there till next Sunday because I'm going to live this way and we have to stop arresting Jesus and get back to the point where we understand that God loves us and cares for us. And that's why he is calling us to a righteous and a holy life. And it's out of his love for us and his grace for us because he knows that his ways are better than our ways. And his thoughts are way much better than our thoughts. And that's where God wants us to be. 
So depending on your take of this parable, you can look at it and say, yeah, but that was for those Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the religious leaders of that day, and it really doesn't apply to me because I'm not a wretch. And I want to say, yeah, if I want to see myself twist in the morality of God that anything goes, destroying marriage, I don't know, are we men or women today? I don't know. And you can go down the list. Destroying life. Go burn a Bible in the street. It's okay. I'm just expressing myself. Go whatever direction you want to go. And when everything is okay, and everybody's going to be okay, understand that we have arrested Jesus. We've gotten rid of him. I could have been really cruel with this sermon and said, Are you ready to kill Jesus? I tried, I tried to be a little mild. Am I ready to arrest Jesus? But the next step is killing him and getting rid of him. And we're on a path, with, a path to God. We're on a path that leads to God, a narrow path. But so many want to wander off of it. And they're distracted by the concerns of this life. And they see the righteousness of God and they see the relationship with God choked out. And that's not where we want to be. This was a good story and I like the story, but I don't like it when it applies to me. But I believe God wants to speak to each of us in that way. The danger is if we're rejecting Christ for our own pleasures, He becomes the stone that crushes us. And I want Him to be the cornerstone underneath our feet that we build our lives on. So it really comes down to an option in our lives. Am I looking to arrest Jesus? I hope not. I pray not. Yet when it comes to our words and our actions, our desires, when it comes to our words, our actions, and our desires, Do I want to seek after God and His ways and His righteousness? To seek first the kingdom of God? Or do I want to seek after the desires of this world? One of them gets Jesus out of the way. And the other one draws me closer to Him. So we should be seeking after God and His righteousness. And allow all the things of the world then to be added unto us as God would desire. Or we can go our own way and seek after all kinds of wickedness, all kinds of debauchery, all kinds of sin, all the things that lead us away from God. And in the end, we don't have them. So we need to either keep focusing on God's ways or we keep ignoring God's ways. It comes down to a question. Do I want to arrest Jesus? Which way do you want to go today? When you walk out of here today, is Jesus going to be first? Or does he have to sit here in the front pew and wait for you to come back next week? When you walk out of here today, is Jesus going to be first? First in your life? Or are you going to leave him in this front pew? And come back and see him next week. I pray for your life that he goes first. That he's first and foremost. That each and every day, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
and allowing God then to pour into your life. Hold on to Jesus Christ. Hold on to His ways. Hold on right to the very end. His grace alone is sufficient for us and to give us everything that we need. If you're struggling, if you're struggling to walk in the ways of God, if you're struggling to walk in the ways of God, leave it on the altar. Leave it on the altar. Jesus came to break the bondage to sin. Our willingness to allow Him to do it. And He will break the bondage to sin. He will break the chains of bondage. Allow those sins to be gone. But I can tell you, here's a reality. Here's a reality. I heard Pastor Rick Warren share this. He's famous, I'm not, so I have to share it from his perspective. Do you know that people go and dig in Pastor Rick Warren's trash? They do. They go and dig in his trash and they'll take Coke bottles out and they'll say, Oh, Pastor Rick Warren drank out of this Coke bottle. And they, and they take it and they take this stuff. When something goes out in the trash and it's out in the dumpster, when Jesus forgives our sins and throws them away, don't go back to the dumpster and get them. Don't go back to the dumpster and get them and take them home. When my wife shows out, throws away that old sweater that's ugly and nobody wants to see, <laughs> I'm going to share it. <laughs> Just wait. I'm going to share it. Okay. I know it's late. <clears throat> We're cleaning up. Because we got a new bed in our house. Rearranged our bedroom. Cleaning out old clothes. Doing the things you should do. Get rid of stuff you don't. I have a pair of work shorts that I really like. And whenever I'm working around the house, I like to wear them. No, I can't wear them here to church. They're the kind of shorts that every man like. They got some rips here. They're, they're modern style. Laurel would love them. They got rips in them. They got tears in them. I mean, I'm a hip, I'm a hip teenager with them. And I'm putting all my clothes back in the dresser and putting them. What's this pair of shorts out here laying on the floor? Now I will say, they're, they're back in my dresser. Bad example. Don't go back to the trash can and pull your sin out because Jesus wants to set you free from it. And He wants you to live in the vineyard and blossom and enjoy the life that He has given to you. He wants you to be blessed. He wants to pour out His graces on us, His love and His healing and His forgiveness, His joy, His kindness, everything that is wonderful and pour out into our lives. But if we keep digging the trash out of the dumpster, the sin and bringing it back and bringing it back, we're arresting Jesus and we're arresting His ways. And we're saying, I don't want to hear from you, Lord. Thanks for forgiving me. I get to go to heaven. No. It's not what God's Word says. I read you from Galatians chapter 5. Those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And God wants to set us free from that so we're not that people. And that's where God wants us to be. So let's commit our lives today.
We're going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we'll allow him to continue to bless us and enjoy his vineyard. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your love for us is so great that no matter what our sin is, no matter what our disobedience is, no matter what filthiness we have gotten ourselves into, Lord, you are there to forgive us. And I thank you for that. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you that we can turn to you and repent to confess our sins to you and you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord. Oh, thank you. Be a loud voice in our ear, Lord, that whenever sin comes close, we hear loud and clear to run, 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 run far away. And when you take those sinful things away from us, Lord, help us to stay away. Help us to stay away and Seek after the things that you desire, not after things of our own hearts and our own ways. Lord, help us to put selfishness aside and greed and covetousness. Help us to be your people. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your forgiveness again. We thank you for your healing. We praise you, Heavenly Father, because we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that you've called us forth to be your children, working and living in your vineyard. Lord, I ask you to bless us and keep us and that your face shines upon us. Lord, continue the hedge of protection around us. Keep us free from evil. Lord, help us to continue to be a forgiving people. We love you, Lord. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.